Hi, I'm Quentin D'Souza, and you're listening to Get Real Wealthy. Create wealth, freedom, and security through real estate investing. Make sure to check out GetRealWealthy.com. In this episode, Paul, a former teacher, takes us through some lessons that he learned along his journey into wholesaling. He shares some of his offline and online marketing strategies for finding off-market deals. Have a listen. Thank you so much for uh, coming out and sharing with us what you're doing in real estate investing and your talent for finding off-market properties. Um, Could you do us a favor and just a little introduction about who you are and, and what you're doing right now in real estate investing? Yeah, sounds good. So uh, my name is Paul Panus. Um, I was a teacher for the past 13 years. Um, and uh, I've been a full-time real estate investor for the past year. Um, I do a variety of different strategies. I uh, started off doing buy and holds. Um, then I got into flipping. And now I'm doing whole, wholesaling. So um And for those of you who don't know what wholesaling is, I purchase properties or get properties under contract and I find an investor to take on that project and they will pay me a wholesale fee. So just a a fee for me assigning the right to purchase that property. And um, yeah, that's how the wholesaling works. So that's kind of what I do right now. Um, I focus in areas all over from as far west is Niagara and as far east as Belleville. That's great. And and if you were to look at the strategies that you use in order to find off-market properties, where would you say that you focus a lot of your time? Yeah, so uh, I guess just to I'm an educator, so I want to make sure everyone understands the the different types, right? There's a, there is off- uh, offline marketing and online marketing. Those are basically the two categories. So uh, when you're looking at offline marketing, there's like bandit signs, there is, um, you know, word of mouth, there is networking with realtors, you know, there's also door knocking, uh, doing flyer campaigns. I'm sure a lot of people watching this have received multiple <laughs> flyers from um, many people. I've, I've done flyer campaigns as well. So um, that's kind of the offline. Um, I do a lot of online marketing. So uh, that's where we focus most of our time is for, you know, Google pay-per-click ads, uh, Facebook advertisements, Kijiji ads, all of those kind of things. Um, and, uh, you know, they produce different types of results and, and each of these lead forms, each of these kind of like, um, marketing strategies online and offline have different pros and different cons and also have completely different costs, right? My cost, my cost per lead online is much higher than my cost per lead offline. That's really interesting that you've narrowed it down to the cost per lead um, and the cost being much higher online than offline. Um, But you still concentrate on uh, online marketing versus offline. Why would you do that if the cost per lead is so high? It's a good question. Um, For me, I kind of so then it goes into two different types of uh, marketing within that. Right. There's inbound marketing and outbound marketing. 
right? So inbound marketing is where people will call me and outbound marketing is where I will call people, right? And so, you know, uh, I wanted people to contact me versus me contacting people. I didn't, I didn't have enough time. And I also wanted to kind of focus my energy in, in that area. So uh, when, when people are doing online advertising, that's inbound marketing. They're clicking on my uh, advertisement and they're calling me. And I know that when I pick up the phone, that person is interested in selling their property, right? Um, outbound, I could be calling somebody randomly or sending a letter to their ma like mailbox. And, you know, a lot of people get really irritated uh, when, when, when that happens and, you know, I've gotten phone calls saying, Hey, like, I can't really re repeat the exact words, but it was, uh, pretty much, uh, you know, don't, don't do this kind of thing to me. So, yeah, I mean, you gotta have a thick skin when you're doing this type of marketing for sure, but it sounds like you've got it, you know, down pat. Do you have like KPIs that you look at when you're looking for lead generation, like, you know, the number of leads that kind of come in versus the, the number of offers that you put out versus the number of sales that you do? Do you have any of that? Or um, do you expect like a lead to gen generally relate to a purchase? Um, it, it's, it's a bit challenging to, like, I do track it, but sometimes those numbers are difficult to track. They're, they're not as like... Uh, simple as a lot of people make it out to seem um just because you know sometimes i'll get so okay so let me let me kind of qualify this a little bit more right like uh i think you know when we're talking about kpis we're talking about like key performance indicators right so we're talking generally people like to hear like cost per lead cost per deal uh those kind of metrics and um with covid and I guess just with Google raising their, their, you know, I guess with so many people entering um, marketing online, your ad spend goes up. So your cost per lead goes up as well, right? And so, you know, my cost per, per, per deal is something I focus on more because, because at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm going to profit from, from that. Right. So I kind of try to think about what's my cost per deal and then work backwards. Right. Gotcha. But, and, and that also changes within like the quarter that you're working in. So from like January to March, you know, my cost per, I think my cost per deal was around like 3000. Uh, and now my cost per deal has gone up considerably. It's probably like five to 6,000. Um, I, I do have to review my numbers a little bit more, but that's generally the idea. Um, just depends on the, the actual time that, that it's happening. You know, so I think people get surprised by the amount of, of cost that marketing, um, the cost of marketing that, that goes into finding a deal. Uh, sometimes I think that they're thinking, oh, it's like I spend a hundred dollars and I'm going to be able to get a lead. And that lead's going to let me get to a person who's going to let me buy their property. And, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than that. Um, if you were to describe, you know, your unique ability when it comes to finding off market properties, how would you describe that? Um, 
So I think my unique ability is the, it's really the ability to connect with people that I'm, I'm just meeting, right? So um, I actually partner with people that are really good at marketing and advertising. That's, that's not my forte. Uh, even though what I'm doing is technically a marketing company, right? It's, it's more of a marketing company than it is a real estate company. And, and uh, you know, my ability is to connect with the seller and figure out, you know, what they're looking for and why they're looking for it and help them solve whatever issue they're going through, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, if somebody's going to sell me a property um, or agree to sell their property at a, at a, a pre pretty big discount, there has to be some sort of reason why. And there has to be some sort of uh, service that I can kind of bring to the table that they're looking for, right? And, and really um, my ability to listen, hear what they want and problem solve what they want, but also really connect with them is the ability, is, is what's really helped me get these off-market deals. Can you describe, can you give us an example? Um, yeah, I mean, like, so, you know, we had a deal come in, I want to say in, um, in March, I think it was. And, uh, you know, this was a couple with three kids. They didn't want people coming into their property to see the property because they didn't want to disrupt the routine of their children. So uh, they also... Um, were a little bit embarrassed about the condition of the property. Um, they had, you know, tried to do do it, do some DIY renovations and kind of stopped halfway. Um, you know, they also were running behind on their mortgage payments, and they wanted, they just needed a, a restart. That's all they wanted, right? So they wanted to sell their property fast, and they wanted to then have time to start focusing on looking for a rental property, right? You know, so understanding all of those things, you know, uh, I was able to kind of say, hey, like, here's what I can offer you. I can, you know, give you as part of the deposit, I can give you this money up front. So, you know, you can clear out your debts and I'll even start looking, helping you look for a property to, to rent, right? And then, you know, it's kind of trying to find out how you can solve all of their problems and still be uh, still come out on top as a win, right? So um, that was one example that worked out really, really well. And at the end of the day, they knew what what I was doing with the property. You know, they knew actually how much I probably made on that property, and they were still happy to give me a very positive review for what the service I provided them. That's awesome. That's a great, created a win-win situation for everybody. And, you know, not everybody is concerned about getting them the highest price. I think that gets lost in a lot of the communication that there, that there is out there when it comes to this, that it's not always about price. And it's yeah. not always about getting the highest price. There are other things that people value. And that's, you know, that's what, what, what gets translated out the wrong way, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think also when people have a lot of equity in their property, they don't mind giving some of that up for uh, a convenience, right? So, um, yeah.
that makes sense. Now, one of the things I wanted to focus on here was some of the challenges that you have. And we often hear about, you know, especially new investors who are doing marketing, they get a lead that comes in and all of a sudden they think that they have a deal and the deal is going to close and all the numbers are going to start finding partners for this and all of that. Now we know that that doesn't happen. And we know that deals sometimes get lost throughout the process. Maybe you can share with us some of the deals that have gotten away and you know what, what you did and maybe if you reflected on it, what you could have done differently. For sure, for sure. There's a, I'll, I'll start off by saying, you know, for the deals that I put out, uh, there's probably like 10 to 15 that, no, maybe, maybe more, 10 to 20 that got away. So, uh, you know, uh, for newer investors that are looking to get off-market properties, it's important that you know that, you know, you're going into this with uh, 90% of them, 90% of the deals you're going to lose, but it's those 10% that you're going to gain, right? And uh, I think I think if you kind of go in with that mentality, uh, you're going to be able to handle those deals a little bit better, uh, like handle the whole process a little bit better. But um, that being said, I've, I've, it still hurts. Like <laughs> it still hurts. And, I, you know, I, I hung out with uh, one of uh, our mutual friends um, who, who is a flipper and wholesaler and, you know, is, has been doing it a lot longer than I have and still indicated to me like, you know, it still hurts, right? Like when you have a deal, you think everything's good and then it gets away, right? So I think the important thing though is to really be able to learn from what happened and so you can reapply it to the next the next deal. So I'll give you an example of one that happened really recently. You know, uh, I was contacted by a seller. Um, his father had passed away. Uh, the house that uh, you know, his father owned was a great property. It was owned outright. Um, it had to go through the probate process, but he was kind of doing some um, kind of preparative or he was, he was taking a proactive approach by trying to get everything done so that once the probate process was finished, uh, you know, he could sell his property very fast. Um, what I had kind of uh, pitched to him was, hey, saying, hey, you know, I, I can offer to buy the property at a certain price point, but I could also um, give you more if you hold the property and I renovate it and then, you know, we sell it. So I kind of offered him a bit, a bit more of a partnership. And, you know, I thought it was a great idea. Uh, when I spoke to him, I made him, I guess I made him feel that it was a great idea. And, you know, uh, we had multiple like meetings with the lawyers and everything. And, uh, you know, two weeks went by and I contacted him and uh, he said, hey, man, I sold the place to somebody else. And, <laughs> yeah. And it hurt because I, I was already thinking about the numbers. I was thinking about what we could do with the property, you know, spent time with the contractor and the place and everything. And, uh, you know, it comes down to like, what did I actually do is I, I made him, I tried making him think that my idea was better than his idea. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't solve his problem. His problem was he wanted to get rid of the property. Um, so I, I should have just gone with the first, with the first thing, which was, Hey, let me, let me go. Here's my offer. Let me buy it from you at this price point and we'll take it. 
but hmm, interesting you live and you learn right like you, you in, in this industry you need to really listen to the seller listen to the problems provide solutions but allow the seller to really think about which solution is important to them and take it from there now you didn't have a contract signed at that point or anything like that have you ever got to the point where you're doing a deal you've got a contract sign and you're you're thinking you're going to close on the deal but then it, it doesn't close the way that you thought yeah yeah i mean like it's happened numerous times right uh, but uh usually i'm able to call the seller and figure out what's going on why it's not happening um you know i had wholesaled a a condo and um you know the seller's lender was basically going to take the property and um you know we had agreed on on a price and the seller wasn't aware of the penalties he, he he thought he knew what the penalties were, um, but he actually didn't. And so when it came to closing, my lawyer called me and said, hey, the seller didn't show up. Ooh. Yeah. So I had to call the seller and say, hey, man, like, if this doesn't happen, like, there might be some legal action and there would be legal action against me from my buyer and there would be legal action from me to the seller. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to put this guy through any more hardship. Like I was trying to help him through this process. So, you know, we had to figure out, okay, can we increase the number by a little bit? And can we get the buyer to increase the, his purchase price a little bit? And can I decrease my, my wholesale fee just to make the deal work? Um, I barely made anything uh, on the deal. Uh, that being said, like, you know, from a business standpoint, it sucked. From a personal standpoint, he was at a really rock bottom place and like we were able to help him out of it. So at the end of the day, I was kind of happy, but it is what it is. Yeah, the, I mean, there's a lot of learning that went on with that deal, I bet. And, and knowing that even when you get to the point where you have a signed offer, it doesn't necessarily mean until you close, you're not closed, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You've, you told me this many times. <laughs> you, you have me sweating some days on closing day. I'm like, oh my gosh, close, <laughs> close, make it happen. But yeah, um, it, it's something for people to know that until the deal is completely done, you know, don't, don't count on that. Don't count on that money. Don't count on, on that, that profit coming in until it's in the bank account. Because right. there's so many possible things that you're not even thinking about could happen, right? Yeah, that's, that's very true. And you've, you've shared some great insights around this. And, you know, I, I know that you know, as a, as a member, it's great to have you as part of that community. I know you're finding off-market properties, and um, I just wanted to make sure to highlight that and share with people around, like, what you're doing. If people want to get in touch with you or get on your buyer's list or, or whatever, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, so um, if you're interested in trying to get a discounted property um, for a potential buy and hold or a flip or, you know, even for your principal residence, uh, you can get on my buyers list by getting onto uh, profitableproperty.ca. 
Um, and you can just input your information and you'll automatically be added to my buyers list. And, you know, if you ever want to reach out to me, um, a lot of people reach out to me on Instagram. So paul.panouse, P-U-N-N-O-O-S-E. Awesome. Thanks again, Paul, for sharing you, uh, with us today and uh, look forward to seeing you at some of our live events in the, in the fall. So thanks. Can't thanks wait, man. Can't wait, man. Thanks for listening to my conversation with our member. I hope you got some valuable information out of it. If you would like to create wealth, freedom, and security through real estate investing, make sure to check out GetRealWealthy.com. Until next time, I'm Quinton D'Souza. Get out there and take action. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for information purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to GetRealWealthy.com.